5 p.m. 5.05. Um, and yeah, it's our tracks. Hello, everybody. 
and we have a special guest today. Woo woo! Woo woo! Special guest, do you want to tell us who you are? I'm uh, Chrysanthi O, uh, aka DJ Vulvasaur on the air. I'm Viola Ariola. Uh, go by many names: Clit Santhi, Tit Santhi, Filth Santhi. So take your pick. Feeling it, feeling it. <laughs> um, and if you if you guys were listening prior to the last song we were playing. Um, You've been laying it down for the last hour, right? Or two hours? Two hours. Two I hours. I just expanded Fallopian Utopia from three to five. So. Amazing. Yeah. And uh, I actually want to just kind of not maybe take off where you left off because we have so much more room <laughs> to cover. But um, I really liked how you were mentioned. You had talked about microaggressions as a groove in a record. Mm-hmm. Can you reiterate that for so our listeners? So even relating to the song that we were listening to. Even relating to, to this problematic like, classic jam. <laughs> Great, great <laughs> intro to our feminist discussion uh, where, you know, he's singing about, oh, my little girl. And you're just like, oh, I just want to sway to this. But like, ah, uh, ah, uh, like in my head, my brain is working too hard to yeah. allow it to happen, even though, well, why, why I think it's so pernicious in music is because I read this book called This Is Your Brain on Music mm-hmm. and your brain is actually firing neurons at the same beats per minute as the song. So, uh, you know, one of my favorite songs of all time, which is so embarrassing, is the song Dance, but it's actually, the real edit is called Ass by Big Sean and Nicki Minaj, because I love... I don't know that one. Yeah. Uh, I love Nicki Minaj's verse because she's like, um, ass so fat, all these bitches, pussies is throbbing, bad bitches, I'm your leader, bend them by the meter, somebody point me to the best ass eater. I feel like it's very playful. It's still really terrible, but I feel like it's playful. But the chorus literally goes, ass, 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 and then he's going, go stupid, go stupid. And like, so they kind of know, but they also don't know. And like, literally, your brain is firing, ass, 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 ass. And I think about that all the time with like blurred lines and get lucky where it's just like oh get lucky oh no don't get me started it's just all these songs about being distracted like totally distracted by sex expectations and so (laughs) and so you just keep thinking like you know like get like you're just your songs like i know you want my d i know you want my d like it's like that is what your brain is firing and i think that's so pernicious ride the d yeah is that a song well it's I can ride the beat yeah, like a, yeah. but it's really yeah, the yeah. beat. You and she love the way I ride, ride the, the D. The D. <laughs> yeah, even though it doesn't. Yeah, yeah but he, you know. she totally could be. And yeah. like the, there's that. Con- that's the thing about get lucky is um people always get like freaked out when I say this, but I'm like, can you just call it get fucking? Like, can you just call it what it is instead of like I hope I'm lucky enough to fall into a vagina. I hope I'm lucky. It's like no, you are only obsessed with fucking right now. I just think right. the lyrics are so funny. Cause he's like, you know, she's up all night till the sun. I'm up all night to get some. She's up all night to have fun. I'm up all night to get lucky. I'm up all night to get it's lucky. Creepy. It's, it's really creepy. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I'm a big Niall Rogers fan. Oh yeah. Like I really love his production work. So this is a produced by Niall Rogers. Yeah, yeah. He plays okay. guitar on what the else, track. What else is he? I mean, he's famous for. Well, he's famous for the band Chic, mm. which was kind of one of those bands that. Um, had like number one no maybe not number one I don't know if he had a number one with Chic but they had like hit songs that were disco songs mm-hmm. um, this was at a time when the radio was a, was a still like a super racist place mm. and disco music was not allowed on the radio mm-hmm. but his stuff was so good 
that it kind of blew up. But then it kind of interesting. It came back to haunt them because then there was the the anti disco movement. Yeah, which was really moved by homophobia. Homophobia as well. and racism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but Nile Rodgers, respect to Nile Rodgers, an amazing songwriter, amazing musician. And he's got the the riff on that. He's got the riff. Oh, and it's a great riff. It's a great riff, it's, and that's why it's like it's really I, catchy. That's I really why wanted I'm it so to be good. Angry about it. I always know when something bothers me. And I'm like, get so fired up. It's because I'm like, I secretly love, like, I, I would dance to this, right. but then I, yeah. And it's just that complete split of body and mind. Right. Um, whereas with Blurred Lines, I just hate everything about it. Um, I, you know, <laughs> I can say I haven't even gone there because I, I'm, I was like, I think this is gonna annoy me, so I haven't even listened to it. Yeah. And I can say I haven't seen any of the Miley Cyrus things, and I don't even want to name her right now because yeah. it's just like this thing that people yeah. want to talk about. Um, Especially um, if you do listen to her interview, she's like, all I want to do is be talked about. I will do anything, even if it's like bad publicity. So you're like, okay, like, I don't want to help you succeed in that. Yeah. Um, And especially like, I I mean, again, you know, here we are talking about this. And I mean, who am I to say? I'm not trying to judge her at all. I don't have a right to judge her at all. But I'm saying like people with that, that much power can really do a lot of crazy things could say a lot of things yeah. that could be they can mean something yeah they yeah. could like maybe start talking about the government shutdown yeah like what if she starts talking about that yeah that'd be rad uh which is funny because she actually did an snl parody of that um which almost made it worth it uh I'll oh did she it. yeah oh yeah. okay cool um but it's, i've avoided everything yeah, i mean i'm kind of no yeah. i do that a lot because it it's even when yeah it just doesn't feel real it doesn't feel like anyone's saying anything mm-hmm. and i just and my whole thing is like i can write a whole thesis about how misogynistic all this is or I could just say it's been done before you're it's predictable it's It's predictable predictable to have it like you know like what is this the first millennium the second come on like we're in the 21st century like let's you're putting the dick in predictable uh, in a lot of ways right and um, oh my god I'm gonna send you my blog post which is all about this Um, yeah tell us what's your blog so we can keep up with your oh so I actually just submitted it to the hammer oh okay Uh, so it's on the hammer blog post because um yesterday i was the universe premiere of dj vulvasaur and as dj vulvasaur i'm committed to playing female empowering disco music amazing yeah for example for example uh donna summer um early and late madonna um oh man i have my whole track list uh destiny's child there's some really good like remixes um uh it's just so yeah an abba mm-hmm. um where it's just it's just you could like dance to it and feel good and it's just this feeling of like when i dance to something like sometimes i don't like a lot of the clubs i go to that are all um techno or electronic because i want to sing to the music i want to like be the lyrics and actually embody it and uh, i don't get that feeling a lot of times with electronic music like it mm. doesn't have that soul um but i also think i need to find uh better ones uh, but yeah, that's that was my mission with that. So I wrote this blog post, and uh, yeah, I could definitely maybe I'll I'll send it to. I you. mean, I think that's something that um, I'm always thinking about. Is you know, I really want to get into a song, but I listen to all the lyrics, and it's like what you're saying. I want to sing along, but if it's something that I don't want to actually say out loud. The thing is, there are a lot of good ass songs, but how many good ass songs do we really need? Like why? Why is every song just about ass, or just even lyrics in general? Where it's like, baby girl, little girl, um, been done before, right? No, 
Um, I want to like, yeah, I'm so much more interested in complexity, uh, which is when you asked me here to talk about feminism and comedy, I was thinking like, well, how do they relate uh, in a lot of ways? And I think a lot of the women that I've been really interested in, they have such an incredible spectrum. Like they can go from like, la 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 to like, oh, and they just, they can embody all these characters and they have like, so much going on like they're not just one thing mm -hmm. and that's not related to women or men but that to me has been such a thing for my um feminism informing it is just like to be complex to be able to embody anything that i want and feel like i can own it to be masculine at times to be feminine at times because yeah i mean I, I could keep rolling on that forever well no i mean it's a good <laughs> thing to keep rolling on um i actually just, just, just yesterday, and this person will know that I was looking at Facebook, but a friend of mine had put on Facebook, what's, and I'm, I probably should even just look it up, but it's what's the difference between chauvinism and feminism, was the question mark. And it was actually an honest question. It was mm -hmm. more like a theoretical question. It wasn't, mm -hmm. wasn't trying to go anywhere bad. Um, and I was kind of like, you know, this is a tough one to answer, not because I think they're the same thing, but because defining both is crazy it's really mm -hmm. difficult like how do you define feminism to anyone without defining it for yourself first obviously yeah right? i actually ran into that with my show is the first show i did i was like this is what feminism is and the second show i was like actually let me first explain how i why i consider myself a feminist because that's it, it yeah it was very convoluted and I, my first explanation of it was yeah I couldn't really wrap my head around it until I could start off like this is why I'm a feminist because really that's the only way um, if telling people what to do worked you know I'd be on the street doing it all the time but it's right. only really only when you like help someone understand your reasoning can they have the tools to then make their own decision exactly um, uh, and so chauvinism would be defined as um, the belief that uh, man is more powerful. Is that? Um, I, I guess so. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those things I where I was like, it. that simple question could really be dug deeper. Yeah. You know, like, and it's a good thing. And um, I mean, like, I, I can't really answer that right now because I would kind of want to do some research on like the. What is it? Where those words exactly? come from. Yeah. But chauvinist maybe has a relationship to chivalry because mm -hmm. of the spelling perchance which might have to do with some sort of male dominance and thematically it makes sense to me yeah, yeah. and then like some sort of uh heteronormative role that also supports a disproportionate and oppressive power structure mm -hmm. most likely probably is kind of getting close to it but i don't know um but for feminism it's really tough because i think for me and this is where I, um i actually have a lot of reading left to do mm -hmm. um i've come to it from bell hooks that's actually where yes. i started that's yeah, where i started huge for and my that's kind of where well. i want to stop yeah. or not stop but like i kind of well you can add audrey lord and yeah audrey yeah. lord and i was gonna say audrey mm -hmm. lord and i shouldn't say stop i mean i guess i just really like that perspective yeah yeah like, or it's really understandable from yeah her point of view. and it resonated with me for sure mm -hmm. like if everything that no i mean yeah everything she was saying really resonated and carries a lot of power feminism is a transformational politic it had that's one of her essays and um i'm trying to remember uh key points but when you've mentioned that question i thought of uh when i first had my feminist awakening in college i was part of a group about femsex we would talk about it honestly i started taking gender and women's studies classes and i was very motivated that i needed to speak out and express it because i felt that if i'd known this in high school um for example a big thing for me was body image was the 
mm-hmm. thinking a lot about my body and I talk about that on stage where I um, fold my body and I'm like you, we're, we're, you know you spend so much of your time folded over looking at your body like a crab person walking around side to side instead of extended fully with your body fully extended to meet life completely instead mm-hmm. you're, you're your energy and your brain is thought of that and and to me that's just like a waste of time to think about your waste um to some <laughs> to some extent um and so there should have been a little pss. yeah yeah you gotta get on that <laughs> i gotta get on that i need the little sample <laughs> um so i was very motivated and i actually did a uh uh, like a lecture or like a, a presentation for my high school for pe- for students at my high school and I ex- talked about feminism and the fir- the only way that I could begin to explain it to people who I felt were either hostile or just confused about it is to go ahead and um, battle the misconceptions of it right so one of the main thing was like oh well if I'm a feminist then I can't be feminine I can't um, dress a certain way I or you know feminists would look down on um, sh- uh, shaving your legs or wearing makeup or um, approaching things or like having the door open for you or a guy um, buying your dinner. And for me, it's what the way I explained it is like, it's not you choose one behavior of the other, you choose um, shaving your legs to not shaving your legs. It's that you have the full spectrum of behaviors that you get to choose at every time. So I think that's what Bell Hooks um, also touches on a lot where it's, yeah, and so once you once you realize that Monday I can shave my legs, next Monday I won't shave my legs. You know, Wednesday I'm gonna wear heels, I'm gonna shave and put on makeup, but then Thursday I'm gonna wear overalls and not right. care. It's like, and that has to do with uh, the comedians. They just like are able to um, embody however they feel at any point instead of like being. Yeah, it's just like being. Um, Put that uh, that outside pressure to be something. So um, that's a very big misconception for me. So like with the chauvinist feminist thing, it's like oh, as a chauvinist, you think a certain way. Oh, as a feminist, you think a certain way that this is how it has to be. Um, when it's all, it's like no, you. I trust. I give people the benefit of the doubt that they can make the best decisions for themselves. And you know, I think that's kind of that's kind of what I was like. I didn't say it, but you you're saying it is. Um, when I saw those two words together, I was like, feminism is something that I th- is so fluid, huge, evolving, mm-hmm. empowering, which chauvinism, chauvinism is not. Yeah. So I couldn't really put the two together. And But, you know, I think it's important that that a question like that is brought up, not because it's maybe a question that's never been brought up, but I think it's imp- it's important for oftentimes even people that we consider our allies and our friends and people who are down with us and down with everything we know somehow just maybe didn't pick that up yeah you know yeah and just and it's not that they're wrong or bad or anything at all it's just yeah. it's, it's just didn't happen to fall in their lap well that's been a big thing for me is i can um lambast the world be like why is it everyone a feminist but i learned about it because i was able to study it in depthly at a college that my parents helped pay for and like right. understanding that privilege of like even being able to approach that word is right. a really big thing um well and then that's i think why it's our our duty as we are here on k chung radio mm-hmm. free radio Ooh-hoo. being awesome for people and talking about these things and you know what right now there's probably someone who's probably mad at us for what we're saying but that's cool because we can talk about it yeah it's about a dialogue yeah and um i'm totally for that i mean i actually think um if i had the chance and when i when i get the chance i would actually really like to go back to school for studying studying that kind Mm -hmm, of stuff you know mm -hmm. like getting more into critical theory critical race theory 
gender theory and all that yeah it's something i would really love to dig into because yeah. i feel like it ha it's happened to me post-college as, as an as an artist and as a performer all that stuff has in, you mm -hmm. know it's my life and i deal with it but i've I haven't read enough books on it so i think that's on my reading list you know that's and i actually that would be and a question for you would be like what's what's the good reading list what do you recommend oh well i have a bunch of essays that i was uh, assigned when i was in transnational feminist theory and um it's audrey lord's poetry is not a luxury um i, lo I love her work yeah yeah the master's house the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house um silence or transforming silence into action. The, these are like, like I used to carry them around with me all the time, as well as Bell Hooks, trans, a Feminism and Transformational Politics. So those are all essays. Now we're, they're just essays. I haven't even, I've barely read anything in the feminist canon. I haven't read De Beauvoir mm -hmm. or Frieden. You know, it's funny, cause like we are already at this point in my school where we were very wary what of the- What school second, did you go to? Uh, Pomona College. Pomona College. And so it was a very small liberal arts school. So it was already kind of dismissed. I mean, the second wave movement was huge, but we were already aware of the faults where it didn't include um, women of color, women of a lower class. It was very much like a white, wealthy women uh, right. or a female uh, kind of movement. So I didn't, it, what those texts, maybe excerpts were introduced, but I didn't um, really interact with them. Oh, another book, Cunt. Cunt, oh yeah. yeah. That yeah. one was a big one when I was in high school. Mm -hmm, it was because mm -hmm. it was Thank a punk. You, it was a punk book, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Actually, totally. I remember that being one of the first times I think I ever encountered the word feminism. Mm -hmm. Maybe I was about um, fourteen or. 15. Wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah. and it was because I was with I was friends with someone who had the book, mm -hmm. and it was like, "What's that?" Yeah, you know the title alone. Yeah, and then it was the first time I'm like, "Oh!" And then the feminist punk thing started to connect, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but again, so so, mm -hmm. and this is just because we got so much to say in in de defining the waves, right? So the first wave is. It's uh, voting, it's suffrage. Suffrage, okay. So, um, and you know that our 19th Amendment um, giving women the right to vote was only included as a tag along with prohibition. Um, which is just like a terrible connotation to begin with. Like, we, oh, the women are getting freedom and there can be no alcohol. It's just like, it's one of those weird filibustery like government uh, things wrapped in one. Um, but yeah, that was happening in England in the 1800s. Susan, I, Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Susan B. Anthony, um, you know, just wanting to own property and get legal rights to, things that have become so obvious now. That's the thing is like, as more and more women get more and more rights, the word feminism seems like, or it like the need for feminism, it's like totally in reaction to a patriarchal society mm -hmm, that isn't giving mm -hmm. these rights. Right. Which is why I, I've been um, creating this pamphlet called End Feminism Now. Like if we want to reach a world where all we get stop these feminists from nagging all the time, we need to get, and then I have a list of demands like comprehensive sex education, reproductive health for everybody in America, you know, um, we gotta get misogynistic lyrics, only then will we end feminism once and for all. And it's kind of my ironic take on, uh, because it really just comes out of a need, and if you get rid of that, you'll get rid of feminism. I mean, if you let feminism completely permeate um, whatsoever, where everyone's a feminist, where you don't have to think about um, 
uh, you know, like, oh, I have to get in a puss, or like our, our whole uh, sexual um, <laughs> right. relationship isn't just like dictated uh, that way, but it's like obvious that you're going to ask questions and get consent and stuff. When it becomes that obvious, you're just, it's like, think about um, women getting the, you know, being equal pay, like, that seems so obvious like we're both beings yeah like why yeah like, like we're what? we're people and it's yeah. so people are like oh well, i believe in that but i'm not a feminist because it's so obvious when in reality like in 40 years ago that's like a very feminist issue right so a lot of people don't want to have the label and will still agree to a lot of things but i think the label is so important in order to put it in people's minds over and over right. to realize that the, you know like there's so many trolls out there. There's like the whole Republican wing right now is completely trying to defund all um, Planned Parenthood funding. And uh, it's just, there's such an, like they're creating the need for it. Like it's very obvious to me that that's, there's a need for that. You yeah, know? like this is probably, this is a time when we've, when we need it more than than, than ever. ever. Yeah. Right. And like, yeah, which is, it's such a, a weird paradox to wrap your head around. Right. I mean, I think, I think for me, you know, um, one of the, uh, one of the things that's, that's the cool thing about, about learning about these things throughout, throughout the years, um, is that it, I think it always just makes me really consider the, all the little choices that I make, mm -hmm. you know, all the words that come out of my mouth, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, it's, it's surprising how much, and this is this is goes back to what we just started talking about, which was the microaggressions thing, mm -hmm. which is how much damage we can do to other people's psyche, other people's emotional well-being, other people's vibe, mm -hmm. life, what all the things with the most subtle things that were just oh yeah yeah it doesn't mean anything yeah you know? and as a member as a member of a, of a queer community I feel like oftentimes even in the queer community we do things mm -hmm. we say we use a lot of words that we probably shouldn't use mm -hmm. you know and it's hard to to take ourselves out of that and I'm speaking for myself mm -hmm. you know I mean I, there's there's times when I'm using words that I you know I don't need to use and I need to erase and yeah I talk about that on stage about the insult suck my dick and how I I was used to using that as an insult because it had become like kind of a commonplace phrase where like oh that's just an insult you know suck my dick and you know it's such a powerful insult and if anyone said that to me I mean I remember actually someone did say that to me they were like oh suck my dick and I literally dropped what I was doing and I was like fuck you don't you ever fucking disrespect me like that that is I'm so mad right now and he's like oh I'm sorry it's because you know you were down there and we'd been dating for six months and I kind of just got caught up and then I realized that I had actually been sucking his dick like that's what I was doing <laughs> like you know I was just zoning out you know how it is but even with his dick in my mouth I was like I'm not gonna suck your fucking dick you fucking dick and to me it's just so funny like that the word we use as an insult is like such a positive or like could be part of this like positive sexual expression yeah um, yeah but really could be yeah but it's still like there's a homophobic construction where like even guys who aren't homophobic will still use it like that without realizing right. um when then i try to come up with even hor worse insults like suck my clit or suck my overgrown clitoris or munch right. my mons or, or maybe some, it'd have to be something just like you know like eat my old bagel yeah, it's just, it should like, be something that has nothing insult. to do with sex yeah, because sex is a positive true. amazing thing yeah um, there's actually this this brings up a, a, a poem not poem or poems mm -hmm. by this poet named James Broughton have you heard of him I don't think so. Um, so it's James and then B-R-U-B-R-O-U-G-H-T-O-N mm -hmm. so 
definitely, I actually should have brought it today, but one of the things he talks about in one of his poems is that he doesn't use um, the statement F you, right? Mm. He doesn't say that. And the reason he doesn't say F you is because effing is an awesome thing. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. And it's like a magical thing that, and he actually talks about how it's like, you know, it's one of the great gifts that we have as humans is the ability to F. Yeah. And to enjoy it. Yeah. And that using F you to someone is really just like kind of muddying that up. And what happens is I feel like our brain is on well, well treaded grooves. So right. without, so a lot of times insults are like in the immediate moment, someone calls out to you or somebody says something. So it just comes out. Right. Um, but yeah, that's such a, yeah, because like, it's like acting as if our words don't matter. Which our is, words really do matter. Yeah. And our yeah. words create the reality that we exist. They in. really do. I mean, I think that's something that I think, you know, as uh as an educator, because that's the other thing I do, is, you know, I've tried my darndest to try mm -hmm. to, to rein that in and really make it so that, you know, every word that I speak as a teacher, I try, I'm, I'm, there's an intention. There's an intention. Mm -hmm. And I, dare I say, even a, a sort of censorship, but in, in like the good way. Yeah. It's like censoring my stupidity, mm -hmm. censoring my, um, uh, what, like uh, my laziness. Mm -hmm. I'm censoring my laziness. And that's like the thing that feminism has been for me, but like you can call it whatever you want, is like getting rid of this idea of automatic, this automatic quality right. where like, oh, like that word's bad, but I always say it all the time. Like I just, it's automatic. I can't help it. That is like the worst phrase for me. And also like in terms of sexual encounters, like it all happens so fast. I can't help it both boy and girl, no matter what sexual orientation, like just that it's like, like there's always intention there and you have the power to decide your own fate and that intention. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like, and that's what I always run into is like what I call feminism is what someone else calls self-actualization is what someone else read in it. It's to me, it's all really wrapped up in it because it like really, that's the reason why I could uh, become a comedian for sure. Was through feminism. Mm -hmm. Was that's I just became like more confident in my own voice, um, reading these women and understanding yeah, just understanding that my perspective was worth sharing. When I mean to me, that's that's you know if, when I see when I see the word feminism to me, that's it, it represents an empowerment, obviously, mm -hmm. and it represents also like a a definite like active voice against oppression. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like not only am I awesome, but I'm also like not gonna stand for this anymore. Well, a lot of, I've read a couple celebrity interviews of people who are like, oh, I'm not a feminist, I'm a I humanist. never understand that, I never understand and that. And I'm like, there's no radical component anymore. Like who would be against a humanist? Right. It's like, um, and I think that you really just that that's I appreciate that that connotation can turn people off because it at least can start a discussion. I don't well, know. they that means you're right. I guess you're right. It, it still contains the power is still there. The fear is still there mm -hmm. because it is a word that disrupts and I mean, I, the United States. Yeah. I mean, it disrupts the foundation of this country, which is on. <laughs> uh, slavery, exploitation, yeah, yeah. oppression of women and people of color and greed. And it only makes sense if you in include, if you understand the historical context and the racial oppression, like it can't be this one woman and man only. It really is part of a mo much more complex web. Much bigger uh, web. I'm wondering right now if there's anybody, do you want to, do you mind checking the chat wing and see if yeah. we've got any happier 
angry friends along the road. Always. Yeah. And if anyone's listening, we'd love to take your chat, your call. Actually, if you want to call me, you can call me. My phone's plugged in. You'll, we'll hear you. Oh, great. Uh, nothing, nothing new. Nothing yet. Mm-hmm. Nothing yet. They're okay. Just, they're just thinking about what we're saying. <laughs> they're it's, it's they're letting it sink in. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Exactly. Yeah. But if anyone's listening, you can call um, my number 818-516-9650 and we'll have you on and we'll let you chat um maybe a track or two what do you think well i was gonna play uh uh one of my favorite comedians maria bamford awesome all right and while um she's getting that ready you're listening to our tracks everybody it's a monthly show talk about all kinds of stuff and uh yeah some comedy for you And feel free to call us, 818-516-9650. She's pissed off. Like TV. You know, when you get famous enough, then that means you can do makeup commercials and stuff like that. Have you seen those ones that sort of, like, they'll have, like, the, you know, whatever, those famous actresses, you know, Susan Sarandon, and be like, don't deny your age, defy it. She's pissed off. She's angry, and she's going to do something about it. And, um... I don't know. I want to do a makeup commercial. I'd do one. My old lip color could barely keep up with my busy schedule. <laughs> and the time it takes to notice the wide discrepancy between my salary and that of my male peers, I'd have to reapply. <laughs> seconds to count the number of women in high political offices, seated on corporate executive boards, and featured in film and television over the age of 40, my lip color would be as invisible as this glass ceiling only inches above my head. <laughs> L'Oreal, because I am worth it. And because holding myself to an impossible standard of beauty keeps me from starting a riot. That's some good stuff. Yeah, this is that was Maria Bamford. Uh, she's one of my, she's like my comedy idol. Or like, it's, there's a lot of, there's always like a couple comedians when I'm writing jokes and I do them and I'm like, wow, that was her voice. Yeah, and it's like, that's kind of, I'm at the beginning stages of where I am right now. So it's a lot of um, emulating different people. Or it just happens subconsciously because yeah. you so emulate uh, what they're doing. But I mean, I think that's, that's the natural process of like, you know, when you're developing your artistic mm-hmm. tool, that's what happens. Well, they say, yeah, originality is just the using all the different sources together and for like sure. it's your conflation of it. For sure. Um, but for me, like feminism and comedy uh, go hand in hand because it's all about deconstructing what we take for granted. Mm-hmm. So from like gender stereotypes to racial stereotypes to even airline food, like it's all about like, hey, why is it like that? Why don't we, can we point out that that's kind of weird and then you're using humor to make that point um which has to do i actually at one of my like one of the central philosophical tenets of because i do consider comedy as my artwork and mm-hmm. um which seems obvious to us but like when i'm at open mics it's more i don't know sometimes i don't get that sense um but audrey lord says uh i don't know which one this is from I think it's from Poetry is Out of Luxury. Yeah, I think it's a... Am I moving you to temporary and reactive action or am I altering your ideas, your aura, your dreams? And I think about that a lot because there are jokes that are like, 
you hear the joke, you're like, ha ha! And then there are jokes, and then these are the comedians that truly end up succeeding, I feel like, or who end up, um, people like George Carlin or Bill Hicks, who have, who become philosophers Mm -hmm. um, and preachers in their own way, and they are really making you think. And you're laughing because of the recognition, but you're also, it's like, yeah, it's like these little explosions in your mind, just like, whoa, I never, this automatic thing I was always approaching in the same way, I never thought about it. And so that's why I think they go hand in hand, but a lot of people only think about feminism responding to, let's say, a person using a rape joke. And so there was this big thing uh, last year that became a feminist versus comedian kind of scenario uh, when, this one comedian um, made a rape joke and then all these comedians rushed to defend him and then all these feminists responded with other blog posts and Louis C.K., who's someone I really emulate, he's like, he actually got on The Daily Show and said, you know, feminists and comedians are natural enemies. That's just how it is. And and it was kind of bizarre because hmm. so many of the people that I know, first, yeah, I mean, first of all, there's, co- there's comedy, but then there's also humor, which everybody's like engaging with all the time. And um, I, I don't know. It's like interesting to me that there's always this humorless connotation to feminists. Uh, I mean, it has to do with just being frustrated with our lack of progress. But I mean, if you there's you just have to, like I feel like humor is actually a very necessary tool for transformation. Right. And actually, I, if I could maybe mm-hmm. kind of go with with what what's happening there, I, it's, it's, it would seem to me that. You would want to, and not you, not I'm saying like the collective. The, yeah. a, a collective you would one want would, would mm-hmm. one would want to put feminism in a non-comedic, mm-hmm. angry box mm-hmm. because then that further alienates the power mm-hmm. of a feminist ideal. Yeah. When when we look at it what the way you're looking at it, then we realize that yeah they can make you laugh, they can make you dance. They can make you have fun, yeah. While you're also criticizing and, or not even criticizing, but like really looking, looking at it, and it's complex, discussing, and there's so many more layers to it too. Um, Especially when, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's why that's always been like a driving force for me is like, and uh, that's something that. like even getting like what are you saying with comedy like are you just making jokes or are you saying something with your jokes right. um, which people don't necessarily think about the way that they do an art painting or art or painting or music or something um, but that's always yeah it's always been like a central thing flowing through well you know one one thing that I think have has been a running theme on the art track show mm-hmm. is you know I've had a um, performance artist, curator, writer, filmmaker, a sculptor, designer, and um, then I had a dance a dance team. And the one thing that I've kind of been getting at, which is something that we're hitting right now, is this idea of I've, I believe all these people, they're the kind of people who don't really just make work. They don't just make stuff. Mm-hmm. They actually are taking from the world, and they're really, I think they're actually making things that are very political, socio-political, dealing with gender, dealing with, you know, all the real stuff of life, but it ends up being an art piece, yeah. which is why I really respect these people, yeah. you know? And I feel like that's, that's something that 
you know, maybe it sounds, I think it might sound obvious to some of us like, yeah, duh, I think about the world when I make my work, but um, there, there are those times when we see work where we're like, are you thinking about anything? And it's in a like hoity-toity museum. Right, and, yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think that's something, that's actually something I feel like that's actually been kind of this thing with our tracks is trying to trying to get to that. And I mean, I've recently had like a pretty metaphysical, spiritual thing going on with me and the way I see it and the way I, I'm kind of starting to understand it a little better every day is, you know, for me, that kind of work that speaks from the world, that takes its inspiration from, or it could be a personal thing, but really is trying to get at something, is actually, I think, something that is beyond us as humans, mm. you know? It's something mm. bigger and beautiful and wonderful. You can call it Mother Earth, you can call it the divine power, and mm. I'm not trying to put any, <coughs> like, box on that at mm. all. It's actually more about how amazing expressive things can be when they do come from this place where one wants to i don't know look at the world look at themselves you know what i mean yeah. i don't know i know i'm sounding really trippy no, probably no, getting trippy I, yeah i definitely agree with you but i can yeah it's i don't it's interesting like this is the point where i'm looking back or looking at my process from away a and i can see that meaningful quality or that spiritual quality and then there's the part of me that's just completely inside it and can't really like thinks about it but it's almost like ingrained already it's ingrained, yeah. yeah because yeah. it's just like going to open mics and just working on jokes and working on wording like little things that because it's all about getting it to like a certain kind of quality too right. um so it's like all but it's and people don't think about juggling both of those ideas like the bigger picture right and um i've always liked as i studied theater in college and i always liked the metaphor of being um the actor is like the astronaut and then the director is like the person in the space station telling the astronaut where to go like in the space shuttle mm. um so the astronaut has no idea and is kind of floating around and following that while this other person has the bigger picture and is seeing that and for me that's what I, that's why i've always done comedy is because i i need to perform but i don't trust that anyone will give me the words that I want to say and I need to write but I don't want anybody else saying the words that I've written <laughs> so and uh, yeah that makes sense the yeah. total both sides of it although I've always felt like I'm more of a writer Oh, or actually, this is something I borrowed from George Carlin because um, I just recently listened to him and he's he's pretty great. And he talks about like first 20 years I was doing comedy, I thought I was a comedian. I'm a comedian who has these bits. And then only over my career did I realize I'm a writer who performs like I'm creating these ideas and I have to perform them rather than, oh, I'm a com like it's just kind of like the word disguises what you're really doing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I'm a comedian, got to make you laugh, got to talk about politics, got to talk about the news of the day and make jokes about Miley Cyrus or something. Right. Whereas I, th I do think there's like a spiritual quality there. I really and do. And I mean, and unfortunately, I think for us as um, contemporary American liver dwellers, mm -hmm. the word spiritual, for example, sometimes carries these weird connotations that it's like it's almost embarrassing to yeah. use the word but it, it's not at all yeah. it's not at all because it's a really amazing thing but 
it's it just it's i don't know i think it's spiritual to like the what you're doing when you're making people laugh is lightening their load you're like lessening yeah. them being held down by gravity that's a spiritual right. quality where you're changing their state exactly and that's what i would say you find with really good music right mm-hmm. i mean it's it'll take you somewhere there and the other thing with comedy is with why is it's also scary for me sometimes but i like the the power of it is that you're um people are following your train of thought they're directly following your consciousness it's just mm. you on the stage it's like us right now you're following exactly so you have to trust that like be somebody who is confident even as you're doing a joke that's self-deprecating and talking about how much of a loser are you're so confident in the telling of that and bringing them along on this and that's why i feel like it's like a secret like if if everybody like found out like what it what it was like to bring people along either on a radio show or comedy music's the same like how are they not all doing this it's just so intoxicating for me well you know i think (laughs) i think right now we're seeing a time period where more and more people are doing Mm -hmm. things right Mm -hmm. there's like every day there's a new producer making a beat yeah because the computer has made everything more available yeah that's so true and And there's more and more songs there's more and more people because there never used to be i mean like way back in prehistoric times or I don't, I'm not exactly sure the name of the era, but there wasn't this separation between um, musician and listener. Mm-hmm. It's like we, everybody would it was a communal produce event. music yeah. together. And exactly. so that's what drives me crazy when, because um, the, one of the big things for me was this whole like women aren't funny debate when I was in high school and Christopher huh. Hitchens wrote this essay about how women weren't funny. And then, of course, it was just for publicity because then Photo Vanity Fair could put on another cover of funny women like Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Sarah Silverman and be like, no, we are funny. But like, first of all, just having that debate is useless. Like just the presumption of that question to me is very useless because like, what about like in individual conversations all the time? Like humor is used to lighten the load, to make yourself feel comfortable with people, to yeah. like po- point out how ridiculous life is. Like, why would you deny that? That complexity to three billion people it's just like incomprehensible because of the uh, ramifications of colonialism imperialism yeah, and, and all the power the patriarchy too. yeah um and so it would just like boggle my mind but it, i did feel that separation like um with like i could be so obnoxious outrageous uh, outlandish with my friends like i was like this because i did have that quality within me at an early age but then around people i wasn't comfortable with they would never know and that's true of like a lot of people it's uh it's that shy and then open dichotomy where it's right. yeah. comfort but um what if there was like i could have felt that way earlier whereas now because i like started studying feminism and just started feeling more comfortable within myself i could like then occupy the public sphere in the same way and now like going all the way to being a comedian and so where can we catch you performing and if we were to want to catch you performing is there a way to find out okay uh, i have a facebook page it's chrysanthi oldman chrysanthi is spelled c-h-r-y-s-a-n-t-h-e like the flower chrysanthemum without the mum. oldman uh if you just look chrysanthi o 
then I'm, I come right up because there's only like five of us in the world or like five and, the, and what's the last name again just so Oltman O-L-T-M-A-N-N and cool. I don't have any shows lined up at this point but I do I every week I go to the last bookstore that's Monday night at the last bookstore it's their speakeasy cool and actually and, uh, it's funny because the last guest I just had Mariana I invited her to come and I signed her up thinking that she that's why she came and she's like you signed me up what oh god okay but she's an actress and she ended up going up there talking about her mom in like a russian accent she was really funny so i encourage all of you if i see you at a speakeasy sign yourself up and Hmm. tell a story or something so every monday every monday at the last bookstore so i've done a lot of my and what time this it's a sign ups at 745 745 and it goes to 11 i've done a lot of mics and that's the the best mic i've been to by far because you have poets you have musicians um you have an attentive audience who stays the whole time there's a lot of um, mics that i go to are all comedians all looking down at their phones getting ready for their time to go up so that they can leave and go to the next mic and you don't really get a sense of, and you, there are also people who you're so used to seeing that you're not even going to get a reaction if you're trying out your joke. You're trying out the final. You think you figured it out, but they've already heard the joke so much. And it's like I just am somebody who's really created by the by the audience, mm-hmm. by that pressure. Well, I mean, it goes back to, to the drumming to in the circle yeah. and the communal energy. Yeah, it's that, and I I I feed off energy very much. So like, yeah, I just. Like I used to think when I first started out, I just thought that there was something wrong with my process because I wasn't, because I couldn't feel comfortable to talk about, let's say my clit vulva vagina or like some sort of something there. It, I wasn't in a comfortable feminist or even without that, just comfortable atmosphere where I felt like I could be open and honest. Um, so then the findings places like the last bookstore and um, I guess there's some others that are that are okay, uh, like Mouthy Pants and Burbank. Um, but it's just been this whole process for me of like kind of trying to create it too. That's um, cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Are there other, do you have other, you know, fellow, fellow, you know? Fellow femmes, feminists? Yeah. No, not really. Um, I have a, like some friends that I've made, but not like it's yeah. I don't know. It's funny because I moved here from Pomona College, moved right from Claremont, and so I have this whole network of people who are musicians and artists and really working on that. And um, I can't say that I've like met. I've met some people whose jokes that I think are interesting or they're like kind of working towards it, but I haven't like met anyone with the same specific kind of goal. But which the is, crew's out there. Yeah, yeah. The crew's out there. They're waiting to be assembled. They're waiting. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I definitely like, I just like in the beginning I went out a lot, then I kind of stopped. And that feels really bad because you, when you listen to comedians, they're just like, you need to go out all the time. You need to be working, working, working on your craft. But it was just like not feeling comfortable. and. Like, I didn't feel like I was gaining anything waiting around trying to listen to people because um, I had this experience at Meltdown Comics at their open mic, uh, uh, the Nerdist store, where um, somebody was talking about how deers are like hooker, and it went on to hookers are like deer because, you know, he just went on about how they're all... it was just like an awful metaphor ending in like a joke about killing a hooker and then but what that bothered me but then there was this part after where he's like actually i did meet this hooker once i was homeless and she bought me a sandwich 
which I thought was so weird because like you know like what was she thinking she's like blowing some guy like oh I'm gonna give some homeless guy a sandwich and I literally almost screamed like because she's a person because she's a human being of course like what are you talking about um which I you know part of me wishes that I did but the other part knows that like comedians especially like anyone in open mic would have hated a heckler like you you can you know it's it's like this presumption you could talk about it to them after you don't like you know silence them but I was just like and then immediately I had I was uncomfortable and then my set didn't go very well which I think like figured into that I was also talking about my period I was like I'm gonna do my like I would always like focus like I'm gonna do my bits on this and I wouldn't change it because I'm like I really need to work on that that's something I need to do and then not understand that this audience is so not receptive at all so not they were probably laughing to the deer jokes not as much though is the other thing is like i can spend i can get outraged but i can also think more like this is gonna weed itself out like i'm at the bottom of the barrel like making my like it's it like those kinds of things are not like if they do laugh it's only because it's like an uh, that automatic kind of like oh i see you did something clever by comparing it or like it'll it's a lot of like jokes like uh, something 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 oh well she was 13 or like something about sex and you know it's like this very automatic joke right. structure but it's like you're still not but like they would laugh to that and that would frustrate me because it was a very um, open audience that's just like oh yeah I see that you made a joke there um, which is so funny like I go to some shows some free shows that like are huge that are like really big deals and I'm just like amazed that everybody's laughing so hard at things that I find uh, that I it's not even that I think they're bad or good I don't think I have the right to say that but I've just heard that that before right and that's where that's how could I ever laugh to that as Aristotle says the secret to humor is surprise I mean you are just not expecting the punchline and all of a sudden you're like oh And that's why feminism to me is surprising to people. So then you can actually like uh, sprinkle it in somewhere. And, right. then, and that's, yeah, aesthetically, I feel like we we have a good argument there. And I, <laughs> I mean, I think that's, it's also like we, we have to get the message out there in how, however many means is possible. Mm-hmm. So this makes a lot of sense, mm-hmm. right? To get it in there through comedy. Yeah. People think that art, oh, I just can't believe that our culture views art as something that's easily cut. Or like the first thing to go when 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 it's like to me so so important for getting these ideas out. I once um, this is a quote from a teacher I had. I was because I was telling you I went to UCLA for art school Mm -hmm. and I was there at a really cool time. There was a lot of great teachers there Mm -hmm. and I had Paul McCarthy was one of my Mm -hmm. teachers who's a pretty infamous sculptor. Yeah, yeah. It was work we could that is that's something we could we could go. You have to show me. I can't say I know too much. Um, that's it's it's like a. I don't know. It's a, it's problematic to say the least. But, uh, but anyway, the quote was really cool. He was saying something. Uh, we were talking about this, you know, arts being cut and all this other stuff. And he was just saying that, you know, since the dawn of of time, artists have been around. Yeah. They've never not been around. Yep. And they've been around longer than you know medical schools have been yeah. around, and longer than you know law schools have been around. And business schools. It's like the, those are the primary mode of communication. Right. And but all of a sudden we think that oh no no, no we need we need more business people and yeah and, and, or whatever they it's, it is that they want instead of artists. It's yeah. Just, yeah. It's it's, it's the, so bizarre. It's really bizarre. Mm-hmm. But here we are, 2013. <laughs> I don't know. It's I I keep thinking that this is you know this is it's it is we're nearing the tipping point. I hope. I mean, I think there are a lot of people that are getting frustrated. I think I would dare dare I say I think there's a lot of people now, Democrats and Republicans, who are 
pretty offended Mm -hmm. with all of it, Mm -hmm. which is good. Yeah. Um, It's not good that we're being offended or Mm -hmm. being disrespected by these people, but it's, I don't know, they're their deceit is just so it's not they're not even deceiving yeah so obvious yeah yeah Yeah. it's like when um congress um like it was some sort of thing they had to stuff in uh they added to a bill where it's like they determined that pizza was a vegetable so that they can continue to give funding to schools but like the cheapest funding to schools so they can just uh give pizza out right and you're just like like it's just like did you write are you trying to write the daily show right now like pizza's not like there's some things where it's like oh no we'll give all this money to pizza places to put it like there's that and then there's like let's make a lie a reality let's just make it and you're just like yeah and then you think about all these um dystopian novels that we've you know you were assigned to read in high school oh yeah that's the it's the same thing i wonder if we've been assigned those books so that it would happen yeah maybe if we were assigned totally awesome like liberated queer utopian books we might have a different situation or something yeah you know um i mean that's the kind of school that i would start yeah yeah definitely but my question is how does art uh, relate to that social change like because I think about like okay I can make people think a different way a whole audience of people can walk away and think a different way but then right. how does that propel that and I think that it part is really important like right. just like like just the personal change is so important. well I think I, and I would actually say that's probably where it's at mm-hmm. it's really it's the personal change because mm-hmm. you know um, I think you and I would probably both agree with this that it's really about us you know making um, making non-lazy choices all day long mm-hmm. like really thinking mm-hmm. about everything we do intention intention intention, intention. and yeah. i think when we when we have the intention in our work whether it's co- comedy music poetry um architecture even i don't know mm-hmm. maybe that's too far mm-hmm. but when our when we have that intention in our work it's we are sharing that intention with other people which would hopefully only make them consider their intention a little more yeah which you know it's like that thing it's not like a big slap in the yeah, face yeah, but hopefully yeah, yeah. it's like oh i'm gonna not go here today yeah i'm actually gonna do this and i mean that's kind of the way i see it i mean this is something i you know i think about a lot it's like you know you can't ask artists to to make work that is reflective of the problems of society but you shouldn't have to ask yeah you know yeah and i think the, a lot of great work does that and i mean there's then there's also work that when you look at it for face value you might not catch that in there but there's still some history there you know i think there's a lot of proof of that like we talked about popular culture and of course the trending topics are people like miley cyrus or robin thick and yet her song was de- dethroned by that song by lord um who's a 16 year old from uh, australia and it's just all about how um materialism is is whack she's just like gold gray goose golden dun, 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 and she's talking oh she's i don't know this person yeah. i gotta hear this yeah and it's like it's a very melodic song but it's just all about we don't care um we're not caught up in your love affair and we'll never be royals and or even something like thrift shop where you're like what that's a joke song that's a song by like parody art it's it's like whoa this is new whoa like you're talking about just spending you know less than 20 dollars on a shirt that's cool and like it's like even these really small changes or like things you wouldn't even think about like people are really responding to it because it does get relentless it, it feels does. unrelenting it's relentless yeah yeah 
It's just, it's like, it's like there's, oh my God, there's so many amazing songs about sex and like beauty of sex and love, but like it's, it's, it's rendered meaningless now, it feels like. Um, so I do, yeah, I feel like there's hope. And I yeah. think, and I mean, yeah, it's the I mean, only I'm, way to continue. It's, it's what we keep doing. Yeah. We keep, we keep moving forward. And operating from a place of expansion. And expansion. Like, and hope is the only, is the only way to actually create that change. Yeah. And big love. Mm-hmm. Big, big, big love. love. Yeah. Opening our And heart. I think our time is maybe almost up now. Yeah, Are we getting there? so. We've been rambling. Okay, people. Um, thanks for listening to Art Tracks. We'll be back next month. Um, I think it's playing already. Oh, it is? Okay, cool. So yeah, hit us up. It's kchungradio.org. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for being my guest. I've had lots of wonderful relationships, and then I heard this comic say, uh, yeah, if a woman's over 40 and she's never been married, there's something wrong with her. <gasps> oh, no! about dying alone, but, you know, I'm fun, and, uh, 